return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Um, I'm going to go a little different direction this morning. We're going to go to Psalm 139. We'll probably be hanging out there most of the day. Now, uh, you know, Pastor Dave encourages us all to read the Bible reading guides. How many of you are faithful with doing that? <laughs> you know, I picked one up. i got to tell you now, I, I'm being honest. I picked one up January of 2019, and I just finished the April 29th of 2019. It takes me a long time, guys. I just get stuck. I mean, the word is so good. So I just read Psalm 139, and I've just been stuck there for days. And I'm going to share a couple goodies with you then this morning. A couple of the titles of the, the psalm I found is one is the presence and the power of God, and another is the prayer of a believing heart. So, Father, I just thank you for that miracle of faith, for the seed no matter how small it is, Lord, that every time we exercise faith, there's gargantuan results. I praise you, Lord, that every time we seek your face, we are rewarded with your presence and your power and your love. And I'm asking that this morning you'd meet with everyone here, with deep to deep, Lord, face to face, heart to heart. And uh, Father, revive us again, encourage us again, and forever, Lord, we will worship your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, both Psalm 138 and Psalm 139 have some of the same pleadings for God to take some action because he was facing some enemies and some big problems. But Psalm 139 is just oozing with hope. And that's, I think, why we all love it. Plus, there's a whole lot of personal pronouns in this psalm, 13 to be exact, the my and the I and the, anyway, all the personal pronouns. And then there's 10 second personal pronouns, always talking to God as you. So this psalm is just oozing with hope. It's oozing with intimacy. I don't know if you were around when I preached years ago on Yada. Does anybody remember that's a very special Hebrew word that means intimacy, intimate knowledge. In fact, did I give you Genesis 4.1? Okay, so that's the very first time this word yada is used in the scripture. And what it says is Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and brought forth a son. So we're talking about intimate knowledge. Now, this word yada shows up in Psalm 139 seven times. Seven times in verse 1, in verse 2, in verse 4, in verse 6, in verse 14, and in verse 23. It's the unifying thread, one of the key unifying threads through the whole psalm. 
always constantly reinforcing this amazing, intimate relationship we have with this amazing God. Now, a lot of uh, commentators will divide Psalm 139 into four sections. If you want the theological side of things, I'll see if I can say all these words the right way. The first group, verses 1 through 6, would be titled God's omniscience. The second section, verses 7 through 12, God's omnipresence. The third group, verses 13 through 16, God's omnipotence. Verses 17 through 24, everybody says something different. Let's just simplify it as obedience, our response to this greatness of God. Oh, and then I forgot to tell you, um, if they were to divide the psalm 139 into two sections, the first section would be the greatness of God, and the second section simply our response to the greatness of God. Now, if we took these four sections and put it into a little bit more normal, human, um, down-to-earth language, we would call verses 1 through 6 simply, you know me through and through, talking to God. Verses 7 through 12, you are always with me. Verses 13 through 16, you personally created and fashioned me. And verses 17 through 24, your cause is now my cause, or as one commentator put it, it's the inescapable response to the inescapable God. Now, there's a lot that could be said. I realize that. And I could have done a whole bunch more in-depth study, but I really would like the word just to speak to us this morning. Is that okay? And uh, we're going to use several different translations just so we can get the richness of what God's trying to say. Because I know you've read this psalm. I know you've meditated on it. You know, all of you who are faithful read it way back on April 29th, right? (laughs) Anyway... Let's get started with the first four verses of Psalm 139. We're going to read it from the King James. O Lord, you have searched me. And now this is another little unifying thing because verse 1 says you have searched me. And way at the end, he says to the Lord, and we're going to be looking at it, but it says again, please search me. Please examine me. Please investigate. I want you to know everything about me and then reveal it to me. Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. Here's the yada word right here. You have intimately known me. You, and here it is again in verse 2. You know my down-sitting intimately. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You understand my thoughts afar off. You compass my path, my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. All of them. All of them. For there is not a word in my tongue, but Lord, you know it altogether. Let's look at it from the Passion Translation here. You know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and my soul. Now, I got to thinking about what does that mean? Well, friends... One of the key secrets to walking with God and having this intimate relationship with him is is learning to respond in the moment. 
You know, I mean, we can even do that in a church service. Well, we're busy thinking about something else that's going on this week and miss, miss the very presence of God instead of responding to him in worship. Or you're reading your Bible. And that's, sorry, that's why I can't read seven chapters in one day. Because I hear the Spirit saying something to me. Like, dig into this. What am I saying here? And I can't go on. I just learn to stop and respond. And that's what he's saying. You perceive every movement of my heart. When our heart's responding to him, listen, friends, God's responding back. Hallelujah. And you understand my every thought before it even enters into my mind. Wow. Verse 3, you are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book. And you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. And I'm thinking, wow, Lord, I don't even know what I'm going to say sometimes. Like, okay, I don't know how to phrase this, but God's already got it figured out what I'm going to say. (laughs) Before I start a sentence, you know every step I will take before my journey even begins. Moffitt puts it like this. I've been scanned by the eternal. We just uh, went... Flew to Las Vegas for a graduation a couple weeks ago, and so we, had, we got to go through that scanning thing at the airport again. Whenever I go through it, beeps, 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 and I, they have to do a full pat down for me, like, fine, go ahead and do it. But you know what? God has you scanned. He knows your every cell in your body. He knows everything. What we're thinking, what we're doing, the very purposes the very root of what we're thinking. Hallelujah. Voice Bible says, you know the smallest details in all of my life is open, like nothing is hidden. He sees us. One of his names is El Roi, which means he sees us. That's the one of the words that God uh, revealed when, he, when Hannah was trying to hide from him, or had been kicked out from Abraham's house. But God showed up and said, listen, I see what you're going through. I know what you're going through. And it can be scary. Like, depends on where we're at, right? It can be scary. God knows everything. God knows everything. Or it can be completely and totally um, assurance, right? And confidence. David says in verse 6, such knowledge is too high for me. I cannot attain it. Now, I wonder, is there any value to being fully understood. Is there any worth to being completely and thoroughly known? What do you think? According to the psychologist, friends, it's more important to be understood than it is to be appreciated or loved or what was the other word? Accepted. So it's a big deal with you, maybe you don't even realize it, but teenagers, I remember as a teenager thinking constantly, nobody understands. Nobody gets what I'm feeling or what I'm going through. But God does, friends. He thoroughly understands who we are, what we're about, the very issues of our heart. And, um, of course, I was reading, they talk about people who, don't feel understood, feel very much alone. They feel um, like life is not even worth living. And many people will go ahead with suicide because they're so despondent about not being understood. 
But uh, so yes, yes, I think it's important. You might think, oh, why is she talking about this boring subject? We already know all this stuff. But we have to get our hearts established in this fact that we are thoroughly and completely known and understood. And just to persuade ourselves that the Most High God is fully acquainted with, completely familiar with our every secret, our every thought, our every word, our every deed. He knows exactly how many wrinkles you have, how many hairs are on your head this moment, the state of every cell in your body. He knows your greatest mistakes, mine, yours, He knows your kindest, most noblest deed. He knows the gifts that he's placed within you. He knows the ability that runs in your spiritual DNA. Every positive, every negative, none of it affects his commitment to you. Praise God. None of it changes his intentionality, working towards your well-being, your wholeness, your destiny being fulfilled. And the eternality, that's a big word, of his presence. In other words, it's always there, friends. And his power flowing in our lives. So let's go on to verse 5. This, is a five, this verse just undoes me every time here. You have beset me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. The very next verse says, It's so high I can't attain it. I can't conceive. I cannot conceive that he's in front of me all the time. He's behind me all the time. I think it's NIV that says he's got me hemmed in. I love that. Now, uh, New American Standard Bible says you have enclosed me. And I really would like you to get that picture because especially in our world, I mean, it's not going to get easier. It's probably going to get harder. You might find yourself in a very scary situation at some point. But we've got to know that he is enclosing us. It's like what he said to Abraham. Did I give you that scripture in Genesis? Genesis 15:1. Now, Abraham was kind of freaking out at this point because he had just discovered he had a whole lot of new enemies He won that big battle against those five kings. And he's also realizing, because he had just amassed a whole lot more fortune, so he's a very rich man. He's got all of this stuff and no heir. Like, you know, you can imagine his thinking, like, what's the purpose? What's going on? Why am I existing? And God comes to him and says, Fear not, Abraham. Do not even be taking any thought. That was Jesus' words, right? Don't take any thought like this. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. So this is a personal promise, friends. He, he's promising personal protection. And that's the revelation that David is getting in Psalm 139. I am pushing my hands on you, David. My hands on you. On you, on you. And I'm enclosing you. I'm hemming you in. One of the versions says I'm barricaded. One of the versions says I'm besieged. Now, I had to look that one up. Webster's Dictionary says to besiege is to surround with armed forces. Praise God. Now, remember when Gehazi looked out the window that one morning? He was the servant for Elisha. 
And he saw all these chariots and warriors, one of the translations says, fighting men. And they had surrounded the entire city just to get at and capture Elisha. And of course, Gehazi knew that meant him. He was going to get captured too, he thought. And he says to Elisha, oh no, oh no, you just can't know what's going on. What's going on? It's just terrible. And Elisha, he's not troubled. He's not worried. We don't even know from scripture that he could see with his physical eyes. All we know is that he prayed and he said, Lord, open Gehazi's eyes. And he sees all of a sudden chariots bigger than the other chariots, flaming fire, angels way more than what was surrounding the city. And what did the word of the Lord say? Um, did I give that verse to you? Second Kings 6 verse 16. Again, there's the word for the day. Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Praise God. When God gives you a personal promise like we are reading in Psalm 139, I, well, he puts it in this personal pronoun, but we need to do the same. We need to say, you, my father, my God, my redeemer, my king, you are in front of me, you're behind me, you're on every side, you've got me hemmed in, you've got me barricaded. Whew. I don't care how scary it ever is in your life, what you ever run up against. More, there are more with you than with them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are surrounded on every side. He takes your protection personally. And that's why David uses this personal pronoun, you have him me in. Now the voice Bible, let's go to verse 5 in the voice Bible. It says it like this. You have surrounded me on every side. Every side. Behind me and before me, you have placed your hand gently on my shoulder. Now I'd like you to actually just take a minute and hear it, feel it, see it. God right beside you with his hand on you. Is he touching your shoulder? Is he putting it on your head? I was, I was hearing this week, this, this lady was sharing about the imagination. When we worry, we sure get our imaginations kicked in, don't we? Like we can imagine the very worst. Why don't we use our imaginations in regards to this presence of God? Let's just imagine angels. Are they angels in front, right beside us, right behind us? God himself enclosing us. God himself with his hand on our shoulder. Hallelujah. On our back. We are never alone, friend. Never, never, never. Verse 6. Here's the voice Bible. Do we have it? Okay, listen. It is the most amazing feeling to know how deeply you know me inside and out. This is this yada word again. Intimate knowledge of what is going on inside of us, in our heart, in our head, in our bodies, in our souls. The realization of it is so great that I cannot comprehend it. Hallelujah. Now, I'm, I got to admit, I'm in awe constantly at the very desire of my Lord to want to be with me. How about you? 
Do you hear that in the spirit a lot where he'll just say, come be with me. Just sit with me. I just want to talk to you. I just want to reveal myself to you. But he doesn't sit across the room. You know, he could sit over there and just be real proper with his hands in his lap. and Just talk to me about what's going on in my life. But he doesn't do it that way. He gets up real close. Real close. I love this passage in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 3. This is the bride talking to the groom, which would be like us speaking to Jesus. She says, as the apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. In other words, there's a whole lot of lovers out there. A whole lot of people who think stuff that will promise, I can satisfy your heart. I can take care of you. But there's no one like Jesus, friends. He's the apple tree among the trees of the wood. And then she says, I sat down under his shadow. Now, that's a volitional act, friends. We have to choose to sit under his shadow. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. And notice his hand, both hands. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. Praise be to God. So, uh, again, friends, this relationship is as intimate as we allow it to be. And you can be sure his hand is upon you, blessing you, guiding you. When you think of his hand upon you, what do you think of? Direction, encouragement, healing, helping, strengthening, keeping you. Hallelujah. His hand is upon us. So let's go to this second section, verses 7 through 14. We're going to read it from the Amplified. It says, where could I go from your spirit or where could I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So you see he's talking about this hand of the Lord again. That's actually a phrase that Nehemiah used when he was describing um, his situation, building that wall and having all those enemies against him. And somebody was asking him, you know, how do you explain all this favor in your life? The king giving you all this money and protection on the way. He says, the gracious hand of the Lord was upon me. Hallelujah. Uh, let's see, verse 11. If I say to myself or to you, surely the darkness is going to cover me. And the night shall be the only light about me. Even the darkness hides nothing from you. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Now, as a child of God, friends, in relationship with the Most High God, it's impossible to ever move beyond God's care and guidance or his supporting strength. Verse 9, the Voice Bible says it like this. If I ride on the wings of morning, if I make my home in the most isolated part of the ocean, even then you will be there to guide me. Your right hand will embrace me, for you are always there. 
Hallelujah. Verse 11 of the Passion Translation reads it like this. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me for your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. I really, I would write that one down, that little phrase right there. Bringing light into my night. I don't know what your night is right now. I don't know what's hopeless. I don't know what's discouraging. I don't know what's overwhelming in your life right now. There's probably something. But hear the word of the Lord this morning. He is light. And his presence is right now bringing light into your night. Hallelujah. He's coming with guidance for you. He's coming with encouragement for you. He's coming with direction for you. Here's the voice Bible for verse 11. Even if I'm afraid, anybody ever? Maybe. And I think to myself, there's no doubt this darkness is going to swallow me. I mean, it happens sometimes. It's just overwhelming. Like, it's going to swallow me up. No, the Bible says, the light around me will soon be turned to night. Is that right? The light around me will soon be turned to night. That doesn't sound quite right. Oh, well, well, it's because we have to keep going. All right, and friends, that's the way people talk. I've heard people talk about that, about our country. It's just getting darker. It's getting worse. There's nothing we can do. But we have to remember Isaiah 61, too. It talks about, yes, the people are going to be, some of them, in gross darkness. Yes, darkness is going to cover the land. Yes. Did I give you the wrong scripture? What about Isaiah 60, verse 2? It says, the darkness will cover the earth, gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And remember verse 1 where it says, Arise and shine. I think I did have the wrong chapter, didn't I? There it is. So can you jump then to verse 1? Arise and shine, for your light is come. It's come. It's already on you. Remember what we read in Psalm 139, the night and the light, the darkness and the light. It's the same to the Lord. It's the very, very same. Actually, let me, we'll just jump to that verse quick. How about the Voice Bible, Psalm 139, verse 12? Here it is. You can see in the dark, for it's not dark to your eyes. For you, the night is just as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same. I mean, it's kind of like, what? Our brain's going tilt, tilt, tilt. I don't get it. How can the darkness and the light be the same? Because he's so full of light. He's so full of hope. He's so full of love. He is so sure of how it's going to end up. What if we could live like that? Even in the darkness. Even when things are trying, something's trying to swallow us up and scare us. We can think, okay, as far as God's concerned, the light is still shining. The hope is still abounding. He's so sure yet of how it's going to end up. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Okay, let's keep going. We got to, oh my goodness, I thought I was going to have extra time. Uh, let's go to the third section here, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 17. This isn't even the fourth section, this is only the third section. 
Okay, I'm way behind. All right, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Now, this word knitted, friends, in the Hebrew has to do with the complexity. If you've ever studied the human body, how many nerves are there just for the eye? The complexity of the human body, and God did it. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. And I guess I know, I've heard, I know you've heard it preached a thousand times, but again, you got to look in front of the mirror and say, I praise you, Lord. You did this. And God liked what he did, friends. And I know I'm going to run out of time, but I just I really want you to get this picture. God intimately framed you, knitted you. I think, where's the word woven? Do you see it quick? There it is. Verse 15. When I was made in secret, intricately woven. I mean, God had his hand about everything about you, intimately. And I heard Joel Osteen say the other day, even when you're alive on the earth, like some people say, I wish I was alive when Jesus was walking the earth. Don't you think God had a decision about that? Don't you think he thought to himself, I want to make sure Alex Hagerfield is living in 2021 because I've got this great plan for him and patience and Anne. He designed that we would live, be on this earth right now in this, with, with everything that's going on the earth. He planned it all. Hallelujah. And then, I know i got to quit. Yes, we can maybe, maybe, maybe we can get the faith to believe yet. Okay, he intricately planned, he strategized, he had all this in mind. And then we could think to ourselves, okay, done with him, next. But no, that's not how God does things. The very next verse is all about how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Constantly, friends, he's thinking, cherishing thoughts about you. Constantly. He doesn't say, I'm done with him, I'm done with her. No, he, he keeps his eye and his hand on us consistently and constantly. Well, Father, I thank you for this amazing knowledge that you have of us, this intimate knowledge, and we are in awe of your greatness. We're in awe, Lord, of your knowledge of the very details of our bodies and our thoughts and our deeds and the fact that you know us completely, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for your continual thoughts towards us. Lord, just as many as the sand on the seashore and always full of desire for us and cherishing And I thank you, Lord, that you're surrounding every one of these people. Help us to walk in that knowledge, to live in that knowledge, to so trust you unswervingly, knowing that you beset us behind and before and you've laid your hand upon us. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. 
Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.